a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian Salvatore, and welcome to the first show of 2023, the first show of our fourth season. Although I say fourth season, nothing's really going to change, just the numbering was getting cumbersome. So we're starting a new season to make that a little bit easier for your eyes and for my memory. On this first show of 2023, we thought we'd ease back into the show for the new year with a really, really fun conversation. Joining me today is Russell Beatty, who is the creator of The Empire Strips Back, which is a burlesque show that features characters that you know and love from a galaxy far, far away. One of the things I really want to do with the show this year is look at more places where Star Wars and other things intersect, whatever that other thing may be. Um, when I was a kid, Star Wars was popular, but it was nowhere near the monolith that it is today you know i can go into target or kohl's or sears and buy star wars stuff that was not the way it was you know when i was a kid 35 years ago and so i'm really interested in talking about sort of the areas in which star wars now have bled into other parts of life you know you'll if you go to barnes and noble or any big bookstore you'll see self self-help books that are star wars themed um, there are plenty of places. I went to a bar in Los Angeles uh, last year that was basically modeled after the cantina and had a bunch of Star Wars-themed drinks. These things just seemed impossible not that long ago, and now here we are. And so the first episode discussing something like that is with Russell. Um, if you happen to live in Southern California, you can catch the Empire ships back in Los Angeles and San Diego. They are going uh, other places in the U.S. later this year, so please check out that to see if they're coming to a, a city near you, because that sounds like a really fun night out. I know that Matt, Liz, and I would love to uh, take in this show, because it just seems like a lot of fun to me, uh, personally, because uh, who doesn't love like, a good time out? It just seems like, especially as we are uh, learning to live in the pandemic that doesn't seem to be going away, I feel like the nights that we do get out... You want to really have fun and let loose. And this seems like a great night with friends to go out and just, you know, have a couple of drinks and just laugh and enjoy yourselves. So Russell's going to talk about that. He's also going to talk about his book series called Wookiee Erotica, which is an amazing title. A-plus title, 80-grade title, if we're using baseball terminology, um, which is basically a, uh, like a, a, a version of the 1970s Playboy magazines, but in a galaxy far, far away, and we have an issue to give away. So what you're going to do is you're going to tweet at me, at Brian Needs a Nap, with your best Star Wars-based uh, burlesque-esque pun. So, like, um, I can't think of any that are very funny right off the top of my head. I should have done more <laughs> research on this before I did. But something like, maybe like, you know, if you were a drag performer in a Star Wars show, what would your name be? Or just something like The Empire Strips Back is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. But give me your best one of those, and uh, we'll throw all of them into a random, uh, into a, a spreadsheet rather. We'll use a randomizer, and we'll pick somebody to ship out the copy to. Uh, it is being shipped to me from Australia, so it's going to take a little while to get here. But once it does, we will send it out to you, I promise. So anyway, without further ado, here is my conversation with Russell. 
Thank you for listening as always. And remember, the force will be with you always. All right. I am joined on the show today by Russell Beatty, who is the mastermind behind something that I am very upset has not come to my area just yet. And that is called The Empire Strips Back, a burlesque parody. It is a Star Wars themed burlesque show. Russell, thank you for making the time today. Thank you for having me. So I have to ask, when you're putting together uh, a show like this, does the idea come first or are you were you sitting there and thinking, I want to find a pop culture tie in for this burlesque show? Star Wars makes sense. Or did it come to you? Really, I need to do a Star Wars burlesque show. Um, I, I suppose it was over a period of time. I developed the idea in originally I was going to create a. I ended up doing this, by the way. I, I was originally going to create a Star Wars playbook, magazine, mm. like send the 70s and use the original trilogy's aesthetic, but as a 70s playboy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if I'm going to make these costumes, I'll most well do a show based around. So I was doing burlesque shows at the time anyway. But I was doing these very kind of artistic, serious burlesque shows where I built I built it more about a company and I had my own, um, my own venue where I had to put you know content in there every week, like live entertainment. And what the plan was to do these like runs of like these our flagship shows, and then every once in a while we'll do these joke shows. And our first joke show was the Star Wars one. Mm-hmm. It was only meant to be one night, but then it sold so well that we did three nights, and that sold so well, so we brought it back for a week, and then that sold so well, so we brought it back for two weeks, and then mm-hmm. it just kept growing. Then at one point I was like, it's too big for our venue, the idea. So I had to take it to larger venues, and then. When we took it to larger venues, we realized the small show we had didn't really hold up. So I destroyed that version and I created a new one from scratch where, because um, that first version, I built most of the props and costumes myself out of like plumbing supplies and old toys and whatnot. But then the next version, that's when we started engaging like uh, industry professionals. And we actually got on um, people who worked on the prequels and the sequels and everything to work them out. Um, as you know, the two of the prequels were filmed in Australia where we mm-hmm. built the show. So um, the guy who started, who built the R2-D2 units for the prequels, he built our R2 unit, for example. Wow. The guy, all the guys who made the um, the Wookiee costumes in the um, in the third prequel, they made our Chewbacca costume, for example. Um, but then there was like problem solving as well. Like the Tauntaun was never a real thing, you know, what someone wrote. It was either a close-up of a puppet or claymation. We had to figure out how we could make a Tauntaun rideable on stage being a real thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, once I get it in my head, I can't really let things go. So we kind of said, yeah, we want one-to-one scale replicas of Lance Speeders and Jabba the Hutt and, you know, Han Solo and Carbonite and whatnot. And over time, I have added more to what the final version of the show is now. But yeah, to me, I've always been, I've been working burlesque for 20 years and doing burlesque shows and I've been a nerd my whole life. So it just kind of felt like a natural progression where I was going creatively. Sure. I, that, that makes total sense to me. One of the things I think is really interesting about the the modern age that we live in is that there used to be all of these uh, doors that would close between interests. Like you would never see nerd stuff geek stuff show up in the mainstream if it was it was a punchline but we're seeing that all change now right that is becoming mainstream culture and so in doing this are are you were you surprised by the embrace of it or did, were you did you expect it to be as as well accepted as it was 
Yeah, people ask me this a lot. Like, oh, did you expect this to be successful? I said, yeah, Star Wars and half-naked women. Like, to me, it's pretty <laughs> obvious. Um, but the people, but for it to, we're not the only ones who have done a Star Wars Bill show, by the way. Like, the, mm-hmm. the first ones who really kind of get credit for it are a group called Devil's Playground out of LA. From uh, I think they started their show about six months before us. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of created ours in a bubble, by the way. We didn't even realize they had created one. Um, so I always have to kind of, give props when it's due because sure. as far as uh they're the first ones to kind of go viral and whatnot um but they but our version is you know what we created we created an australian bubble like it's the why it's lasted as long as it's lasted like you know this is our going into our 12th year doing the wow. show in some form um and it just keeps going but it's because we care so much about the star wars element of the show mm. um not to take anything away from what I'm about to say, the burlesque scene, but we're more Star Wars first, burlesque second. So we try to appeal to the fan base of Star Wars before we appeal to a burlesque fan base, if that makes sense. Sure. So um, we, and it's it's tricky because like most burlesque shows don't travel outside their city. You know, performers do, but not, not um, shows. So a touring burlesque show, you know, we played four months in San Francisco last year and then we're currently in LA and then we go to San Diego. But you know, the show I create for a progressive city like San Francisco and a show I create for like more of a rural area, I have to find the kind of cross-section what's kind of um, appeals to that large number of people. Because mm-hmm. um, we're a theatre show, you know, we, we play up to 2,000 people sometimes per show. So you have to kind of embrace the format and make it as big as you can but you lose some of the subtlety of what burlesque is known for we sure, replace that with course. spectacle yeah so we replace that with spectacle you know um and we make it more like a party and we want to have the celebration of thing we love and i'm so i was just so sick of everyone arguing over pop culture and not in a good way not when like you're a kid where like you would win in a fight between this person and this person right to the point that it was nasty over the last few years if you'd like something that someone else didn't like you names got thrown around way more than you know that toxic kind of fandom what kind of went hand in hand with that explosion since 2012 2010 period you know back in the day when all of a sudden being nerd was your superpower like you know you knew all the films coming out all the games all the tv shows you know that period of the walking dead and big bang theory and marvel were like everywhere now i definitely think that's kind of coming into an end i think we're going to a more of a postmodern period with pop culture um, which I'm excited about, quite frankly, um, where we actually get there. Um, but the um, the thing for us was we also laugh at ourselves for liking this stuff as much as we do. You know, we're respectful of the brand and we're respectful of the people who love the brand, but it is kind of ridiculous at the same time. <laughs> right. It's okay, though. That's right. It's okay to like something. But we, we try and make sure that everyone knows that Star Wars is for everybody, you know, and that's why we mainly reference the original trilogy because that – kind of simple simple time of the original trilogy where this is a good person this is a bad person you know it was an easy thing for people to grab onto and they were just star wars fans there wasn't a divide in the community back in the day so we try and bring that back we try and bring back the like it it sounds weird when i say it like this but um it's really a kids show for adults it has the same kind of structure as a kids show you know and Trust me, when there's enough alcohol involved, they have the attention span of the children as well. <laughs> but it's so, you know, there's a lot of flashing lights. There's a lot of MCs encouraging you. There's, you know, the characters appearing on stage and a lot of surprises to get you excited. 
Because a lot of people don't get to have that when they go out anymore. You know, they they have a lot of worries in the world and everything. And we just kind of go, hey, guys, why are you with us? All you got to focus on is the show and enjoying yourself. That's great. Yeah, that that sounds really fun. Um, I'm curious about, I know you said you've worked with some people who worked on some of the films in terms of making props and things like that. Do you have any sense of the general, like, I don't want to say Lucasfilm, but like people who are intimately involved with Star Wars, are they aware of the show? And what do they think of the show? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've been around for about 12 years and gone, gone viral a number of times. So we're out there. Like, at the end of the day, um, I don't really go too much into it because, you know, I've spent a lot of money legal on legal fees and everything to uh, make sure <laughs> that we're fully covered and we're in our legal rights and whatnot. Sure. Um, and Disney are very um, cautious about certain things. So I, I kind of don't really talk about that aspect of it too much. But the... Um, the thing is, everyone who, plenty of people who are, who are from Disney have seen the show. Let's just say that. And <laughs> the thing is, if you like Star Wars, it's pretty hard not to like the show. You know, there's enough in there for everybody just to hold on to it. Yeah. That's fun. Uh, do you have plans to keep the show going in different cities? Yeah. So after uh, LA, it's down to San Diego. Um, and then I can't really. It, Within a month, they're going to be uh, the producers will be announcing uh, a number of other territories. But safe to say, it's going to be in the the US for the foreseeable future. Jumping around. Okay, well that that's a lot of fun. Um, I want to talk about the specifics of the show for a minute. You know, I I've seen a couple of clips online. Uh, I, I live on the east coast of the United States. So I am not able to see the shows right now in person, but it seems like there are certain. When I saw certain images, certain videos, I was like, "Oh, this makes total sense." Of course, this is the uh, this is where you would connect burlesque and Star Wars. Was there an initial idea you had, or an initial character or scene that you felt like, "Well, this has to be in the show. This has to be a part of a Star Wars burlesque show." Yeah, um, always. I always wanted a squad of stormtroopers. That's always the case, and I started off originally with three. The max I've ever had is 10. Um, But we usually sit around about eight stormtroopers in our show, um, in our squad. But the first image I had in my head was just um, a naked, no, semi-naked girl holding a lightsaber. And that's the only source of light lighting her body. Mm -hmm. And I always had that image. That's what inspired the the Playboy, uh, Star Wars Playboy, which is called Wookiee Rodica, by the way. There's two issues of it. (laughs) Um, um, And it's, it's, it's very funny, those magazines. So... The same way we kind of bring that kind of Star Wars does burlesque, you know, kind of idea, not burlesque does Star Wars, but Star Wars does burlesque. Mm-hmm. We apply that to the format. So if you come and see that kind of idea live, that's the show, The Empire's Respect. If you want to see it in print, that's Wookiee Ronica. And that mm-hmm. leans into that format. Um, and for those who can't make it to the show, but want to kind of get a gist of the quality and everything, um, you can check out our on our YouTube um, how we would do it on screen, which is our Empire Strikes Back holiday special, which we released during COVID. And that's an hour and a half long kind of, if this show made a variety show in the late 70s, early 80s, what would it look like? Okay. You know? yeah. Now, that had a very limited budget and I shot that during COVID. So while well, we're in lockdown and we come to us. So um, if anyone wants to check that out, but it's purposely meant to be look as bad as it does to mimic the original holiday special. Of course, yes. Um, but yeah, we like kind of, we like making it accessible to everybody, but we like having a lot of deep Easter egg knowledge in everywhere in there because, you know, we re- the more knowledge you have, the more rewarded. And 
you know, all um, all the nerds out there who wasted, you know, a, a equivalent of a two university degree studying comic books and movies. It gives them some validation to see <laughs> see some hidden things in there. So we try and put as much as we can in there for the hardcore fans, but it's super accessible for those guys who have got girlfriends who don't like Star Wars, but they'll still enjoy the show. Sure. Uh, I was actually curious because in the Star Wars holiday special, there is a sequence that goes on seemingly way longer than it should of a woman dancing, like a hollow, hollow dancing. And I wasn't sure if that was part of the inspiration behind the show or if that was just uh, a happy coincidence. Oh, that weird, where, where Itchy's, Itchy's masturbation scene. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, there's not, there's not too much we can take from that thing. Um, <laughs> the, show, the show only really references the three main trilogies and the characters out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the books and the ex- extended kind of media of our show definitely goes a lot deeper. Mm-hmm. And there is, there is a lot of references to Itchy's like holo, ho- um, holo chair um, okay. <laughs> thing. We've got, we got an advert for that. We, yeah, if you, if you look at the Wookiee Erotikas and whatnot, you'll see a lot of the extended universe from like the Ewoks movies right through to the Ewoks cartoons, the droids cartoons, like there's deep cuts and, I don't think anyone's found all the Easter eggs in my stuff yet. So, well, that that's a challenge to our listeners to find all the Easter eggs in the in the magazine and the show. Um, well, if folks want to get the magazine or find out about the show, where is the best place for them to do that? Yeah, so um, kind of if you want to go to the empirestrictback dot com, it has all the updated information there. Um, every time you our, in our social medias, um, my publishing company and my overall production company is called Giant Panda King. Now, we do a whole bunch of cool stuff through that. We do Star Wars, but we also have a bunch of other shows and other projects. Um, like, for example, this is just at my foot. We we create these fake history books based on, like, Batman and Superman, Wonder Woman. Like, they're thick hardcover history books where we set them between, like, this is called Gotham 1919 to 1939. Mm-hmm. And that's set between the two world wars. And it looks like if Batman existed between the two world wars, what would it look like? Very grounded kind of documentary style. Mm-hmm. Um so if you go to Giant Panda King, you get to see all our different kind of books and concepts and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, we're just kind of like trying to go a next level with, um, I suppose we're, we're frustrated that we're not getting the stuff from the official sources, what we want. Sure. You know? Yeah. Like uh, I was kind of done with the book of Boba Fett watching anything from them. And then once Obi-Wan came out, like I'm their target demographic and I, I couldn't get through like the second episode. Um, Here's the real question, though: Have you watched Andor? Okay, okay, I was gonna say, okay, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, I I prefer Andor, and it's made me appreciate uh, Rogue One so much more. Yeah, Um, and that's the thing. Like, that's the stuff we want. We want stuff. What we've grown up with it. Like, you know, everyone's into Star Wars, but there's that special generation which are the ones who are passionate about it. You know, there's there's for the longest time, we didn't have a lot. And Star Wars was like special because you weren't going to get sequels. You weren't going to get prequels. Right. And, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of a lot of the new stuff. Like, I'm not, you know, um, Clone Troopers kind of guy or any of that kind of stuff. I find I find some of this Filoni stuff a little bit um, a little bit redundant for me um, in some of the newer Star Wars stuff. Not to take anything away, I know a whole generation loves that version of Star Wars, but that's not really my version, you know, mm-hmm. um, of Star Wars, you know, like, um, I don't really like 
what was it like the owl the owl and the time travel stuff with Ezra mm-hmm. and everything that stuff kind of was like that just does not feel like Star Wars to me there's enough of a world that we're not we haven't explored yet like give us our Knights of the Old Republic give us you know the stuff what we're craving for you know but yeah. they keep mining the same shit trying to give us the like all oh, these background character let's create a whole series based around around Celestia's crime origin you know things like that it's just like come on guys you know what we want we're big begging it give it to us so a lot of the stuff i create is a frustration out of that now i lean to burlesque comedy so you know you're not going to get the the action itch or the like hardcore fantasy itch out of my stuff but it's still uh taking something we love and looking at it in a different way and making something new out of it instead of just trying to pick the bones of what has come before i guess before I let you go, I, I got to ask you, I, I try to ask everybody I, I talk to this a question that's sort of like this, which is what was the bit of not the films, but was there any bit of Star Wars media, a toy, a book, something that as a kid, like unlocked your super nerd potential? Like, you know, for me, it was the first time I read one of the one of the novels, the Timothy Zahn novels from the early 90s. Those <clears throat> books like unlocked my my real Star Wars nerd thing. Was there something like that for you? It was weird because I was I was born in eighty one, so I came I'm eighty two, so I'm right, right around the yeah, same age. So, yeah. yeah, so Star Wars was always there. I can't remember the first time I saw it because it's always just been there for me. And, you know, all the toys have always been there and everything. But my favorite Star Wars film, when like the earliest I can remember, was not even a Star Wars film. It was Caravan of Courage, mm-hmm. um, and the Ewok films. You know, I think they were my, my maybe my first main introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, two styles but like yeah styles has always just been there for me but when i doubled down was probably when um before disney bought it they released the star wars encyclopedia set which is the three books hardcover come in a slip case all that kind of stuff and that had such detailed information in it the encyclopedia and this is before wookie erotica really kicked off so not wookie erotica wikipedia so <laughs> it was um it was, you know, it wasn't as accessible. You had to actually do research. Mm-hmm. And um, I pretty much not memorized that book, but I came fucking close. And <laughs> uh, three books, I should say. And that where I kind of was like, okay, why aren't we getting this? You know, like the extended universe has so much potential. Why aren't they using, like just cherry pick the best shit, you know, right. and just give it to us. But yeah, I don't know why that didn't happen, but um when I kind of locked into the expanded universe and started like, going, oh, so Luke's great, 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 great child is Kate Skywalker. And what, like you read Legends or, you know, something like that. And it just kind of awoken what I could possibly do with it. And with the breadcrumbs they've left, how we could expand, expand on it in, you know, obviously we do stuff, stuff very silly, but we, it's all, it's all taking the same principles and the same respect for the property as, all the big, big films do, and sometimes I'd say even more so because we don't try and change canon. <laughs> well, that is, that is always the tricky part about a new Star Wars film is what canon is going to be uh, adjusted because of it. So, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, well, you know, thank you so much for making the time. I hope our listeners check out the book, check out the show if it's in their area, and uh, you know, follow what you folks are doing because I think it's a really fun idea. Thanks, man, and yeah, I hope you get to see the show soon. 